Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. But Manchester is in quarantine at the moment, as you will know. Football has taken a back step with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. But fear not, we're back here. Still talking about Manchester United. We understand football might be a bit trivial at this moment in time, but sometimes we need a bit of an escapism. And I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. Hello, Rich. Hello. Yeah, and uh, it's a bit of an odd one. Uh, Samuel... We've uh, we've scraped some barrels in our time, but how have you found this first uh, week of uh, who knows how long? Uh, well, I, I think if anyone's in Muppet Treasure Island and they'll remember the Cabin Fever song in it, that that's kind of a, an accurate reflection of how I've been feeling on a day-to-day basis. It, it, it is really surreal. Um, I know a lot of uh, guys in our industry do work from home. It's quite routine. Um, but for us, we're, we're always pretty much, if we're not at a match, if we're not at a press conference or at European away, or traveling to Norwich, um, we, we are in the Again. office and uh, it, it does have its benefits. It, it does kind of like reinforce your focus. I think being around in a, in a newsroom environment, uh, it, nothing, nothing really beats that in, in the journalistic, uh, from a journalistic perspective. So, I mean, this this is just strange as well. Obviously, we're, we're talking over the phone. We're, we're not in person. You know, we are keeping very much our social distancing as well um, as, as as per government advice. But it, it is it is strange. It does and I, my body doesn't feel quite right with it all either. I think it's used to being up and about. And um, it's not that it's been purposeless or anything like that. But obviously, you're not accustomed to just you know getting out of bed and walking about 12 paces to, to the office door and, and sitting down and filling your body with toast and tea and, and biscuits all day. It's 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 not advisable. So I think every now and then you've you've got to get out even though obviously for a lot of people um there's you know they're, they're having to self-isolate uh sadly as long as people follow the guidelines hopefully we we just get through this as, as quickly as possible yeah and i must make uh, the sort of caveat now that if anyone's listening and it's not the usual uh, crisp hd quality i'm not sure you can get hd in terms of audio but uh you know what i mean dolby surround sound atmos it's because we are recording this over switch. the phone exactly well some things never change and uh i guess uh <laughs> the, the beauty of it was i was still a minute late for work today which don't know how that happened, but uh, we carry on. Uh, and some things never change either. And uh, Samuel, even when there isn't any football, Paul Pogba still makes the headlines, doesn't he? Uh, we've had a lot on him. Um, Rumours of U-turns, he could sign new contract extensions at United. And then we've had another update from Mina Raiola today. What's the latest on Paul Pogba? And I guess uh, it's quite refreshing, isn't it, that in this world of uncertainty, some things still stay exactly the same. Indeed, there will be some out there who will desperately try and downplay what Raiola has said. But I think that the clue, the massive giveaway is that he's decided to speak to a Madrid sports daily. And of course, in this uh, interview with, with Marker, he also spoke about Erling Haaland, who's another of his clients who sooner or later, probably next year, you would imagine, um, provided all's well uh, with the world and you know we, we, we do get through all this, he will leave Borussia Dortmund. He, he, that, that's, that's just as much of inevitability as, as um, night following day. Uh, but of course, 
you know, from our perspective, covering United, you home in on Pogba and he said about Pogba that he's going through a difficult moment, which I imagine is because of the fact that he's still injured, that he's not been playing. Um, and, and he said that he doesn't know what's going to happen with his future. But of course, when you're talking to uh, Marker and you also happen to mention to Marker that you want to take a great footballer to Real Madrid in the summer, uh, you, you are narrowing down your options to players like Pogba and, and Haaland and especially given Madrid's long-standing interest in Pogba as well. I suspect Raiola felt the need to come out and speak about it because there was there was a story last week that Pogba might have been uh, open uh, and might be open to, to signing a new contract with United. Um, I mean, I did a piece on, on the MEN on, uh, what day was it? Wednesday, lose the track of days at the moment, saying that effectively the reasons were stacking up. And just from a pragmatic point of view, there was a lot of sense to Pogba staying for another year just because of the situation in the world at the moment. The two countries where he would um, probably look to move, Italy and Spain, are also in lockdown. Um, now, of course, Pogba, as, as the case with the majority of footballers, is not at risk from coronavirus. Uh, as, as far as we're all aware, he, he doesn't have any underlying health issues, so he should be safe. But of course, you have to take into account stuff like your family members um his his mother uh, is, is quite elderly would he want to risk moving her yeah there were so many nuances to it so many variables um and it's and it's a human matter so as as you said at the start of the podcast football is trivial uh, it does feel very frivolous in times like this so i mean we, we don't know if the transfer window is going to open at the same time again it feels trivial talking about these things so goodness knows what it must be to listen to but if we're just assuming that there will be a transfer window and that the european clubs will somehow get through the season then of course Pogba's future is is up for debate um I mean, the, the video he posted when he was training yesterday, I mean, I thought the the encouraging thing, the positive thing for United was that he was dribbling with a football. Um, the most interesting thing about it was that he was wearing a knee brace as well. I mean, Solskjaer talked about him having bone fragments re- removed from his ankle. And of, of course, it's been the ankle that's given him so many problems this season uh, with his fitness. Unfortunately, there are some people out there who decide that you speaking positively about Pogba training is inherently negative because you've not said why have, Why the hell have you not said that he was wearing a Juventus shirt with Matuidi's name on the back of it out of solidarity now I, I know he's wearing a Juventus shirt I, I, nobody was tweeting uh, oh god look what Paul Pogba's wearing or anything like that but with Pogba it's it's an absolute minefield. You talk about him, however fairly, however coherently, however cogently, people want to extract negatives from it. So even with something like this interview that Ryle has done with Marker, there will be some defenders of Pogba who think there's absolutely nothing to see here. Um, like Leslie Nielsen in The Naked Gun, where he's telling people to disperse and there's a fireworks factory exploding behind him. Uh, it, 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 that's the impression they, they give. But the fact of the matter is... If we're just going to stick to facts here anyway, uh, that's known publicly. Here we go, Rafa Pog- Benitez. <laughs> it's not going to be as long as that. But Pogba was offered to Manchester City uh, over two years ago. He said last year he wanted a new challenge. That was his quote. Now, some people, some of his defenders will say, well, he's maybe talking about a new challenge at United. He clearly wasn't. And also, 
his his agent then came out and said he was in the process of engineering a transfer. Again, in the process was a quote used by Raiola. Pogba has never distanced himself from anything Raiola said, and he's never never denied anything um, that Raiola said. He's never contradicted him. So it's pretty clear that for a good period of time now, for the best part of two years, he has been you know, considering or looking to move away from United. Which uh, which club do you think he will go to if you if he's got to go? I mean, we keep on seeing these rumours saying Real Madrid, saying Juventus. Like you said, he could still stay United. The, fa- the thought of Pogba being here in another two, three years, to me, I, I'm just, I'm not buying personally. I can't see that happening. So Samuel, you said there that, uh, you know, he, like we said, Raiola has spoken about engineering a move away. It seems it's going to be Real Madrid or Juventus, even if United were to, to maybe even agree new terms of Pogba, it still seems like his long-term legacy is not going to be at United. You spoke of that new challenge, and I know Solskjaer said last preseason that the new challenge could mean being at United, but it's pretty clear it isn't. But where do you think, if, if Pogba was to leave, where do you think he would end up going if you had to go with your guts right now? I'd probably still say Real Madrid, purely because of the Zidane factor. And apart from winning the Champions League, he ticked every box in, in Turin. Um, his wife's Bolivian, uh, so she's a Spanish speaker. Pogba speaks fluent Spanish. I think when you go back to that summer of 2016, when he was on holiday in, in California, he did a, a sit-down interview. I think with ESPN's uh, Spanish channel, and he was, he was speaking Spanish fluently, which I think was news to most people at that stage. And the shirts that were laid out in front of him were Juventus shirt, a Juventus shirt, a United shirt, and a Real Madrid shirt. Now, obviously, he went back to United that summer, but from what I was told, he, his initial preference was to go to Real Madrid. But then Raiola said, well, no, go back to United. You can hopefully do everything in, in England and then go on and, and conquer Spain. It's obviously not worked out for him at United um, to a certain extent. He, he has had some success, but there's also been an awful lot of tumult there as well. But within that period, he's won the World Cup, uh, which is the major objective of any elite footballer. So I think there'll be some, from Pogba's perspective, there'll be a sense of fulfilment. There'll also be an acceptance that at United, it hasn't quite worked out as he'd have liked. Um, but, you know, I think there's there's blame on both sides there. I think that there are a lot of people culpable for why it hasn't worked, but ultimately it has got to a point where United have ended up signing Bruno Fernandes, uh, who, whatever people say, has, has been brought in partly to offset the possible departure of Pogba and although those two players can play together um, and it could be a very exciting combination whenever that time does come if, if United are able to play Fernandes and Pogba in the same side um, it's it, it just doesn't feel likely that that's going to be a short sorry a long-term partnership or United are going to be a long-term team with those two in it I guess the thing the fact that, that maybe intrigued me the most was the, the the thought that if Pogba was to stay, what do you think that would do for United's summer transfer plans? If if, if it was sort of agreed Pogba is staying this summer, what, do you think United would still be looking to sign Jack Grealish or James Madison, another attacking midfielder? Or do you think that they'd look at other areas of the pitch as the priority? See, I think that that's a relevant um, debate to be had on, on the attacking aspect because if you do sign a Grealish or a Madison... It does startly, suddenly start to look quite top-heavy, particularly in that central area, because you look at Madison or Grealish as uh, a central focal point, even though they're both very good at coming in from the left. And I think Grealish this season has, has mostly played from the left for Villa. I, m- I might be wrong about that. Yeah, I think but, he did. Yeah, um, he's you know that that's that's where he operates now. Of course, you've got a lot of things to to consider there. 
James, Daniel James is playing the left for United a lot this season, um, but he's also played a fair amount on the right, especially when when Rashford was available. Suddenly, you're it's it's almost like a domino effect. If you're accommodating one player, that you then have to accommodate another player, and then someone eventually, at some stage, you're going to have their nose put out of joint. Of course, United need competition, and yeah, the the, the attack still does look quite thin. Solskjaer has managed it particularly well, I think, since uh, since January, since they got from and as in Anigalo, things have gone to near perfection pretty much just looking at the the results alone but the way Agalo's come in Marshall's been allowed to rest Marshall's come up with some very important goals and regained form because I did I did think he had a pretty poor January overall but he's he's become a more, much more important and, and better player for United even though even though there are games where he can look like he's not doing an awful lot he'll then suddenly score which is always a very good um, you know, it, it, that's a habit. That's a knack that any striker would want. If you're not playing well, but you still get an important goal, that's a great habit to have. I guess but, that started with sort of Chelsea away, didn't it? it as did, soon as Rashford yeah. got injured, that and I mean, we're having doubts. And like you said, there's still been times this year where Rashford, uh, where Marshall's looked not not good enough to be a number nine for United, but he's starting to prove himself. But I mean. We're going to maybe come on to this later, but Igalo seems like, a, I mean, we've been doing these Q&As all week, haven't we, you, you and me, and be, do, be sure to check the Manchester Evening News throughout this uh, prolonged period of absence, because there will be daily Q&As, but Odin Igalo seems to be one that fans really seem to be divided on at the moment, because everyone loves him, and he's certainly doing what's being told of him, but I know we speak about it every week, but Odin Igalo, surely... Surely he's got a long-term future at United if he keeps up this goal-scoring rate. It has to be considered because the the caveat with Haaland, for instance, was that if you signed him, he had to go in the team straight away. His his goals record, even though he's 19, his goals record this season and the potential and just the sheer expertise in which he operates as striker meant that he had to go into that team, which, of course, would not have been good news for Marshall or Rashford. At that time, probably Marshall because Rashford was... In you know the, the form of his life, so in in a way, it's it's been a bit of a blessing in disguise for United for for this in, during this short period anyway, because they've brought in instead a backup striker. The main striker has become more pivotal with his goals uh, and and the manner of certain goals. I mean, Marshall's goal against Watford was was one of the best he's he's ever scored, I think, for United. And it's not put any noses out of joint. The harmony at the club in the squad has been has, has got better more than anything. And of course, we've seen before in that January uh, two years ago when Sanchez came in, what a detrimental impact that had on the French connection, if you like, of Marshall and Pogba, even though Mourinho originally did try and accommodate Marshall in that attack, it was pretty clear that it was not going to work because somebody was going to be playing out of position. So sometimes signing the weaker player makes the team stronger. And you could argue that that's been the case with United so far. I don't think you'll be able to truly quantify the impact of Vigalo and Fernandes until if we ever get there at the end of the season. Mm. At that point, you can say whether this been and a complete success for the team. I've no doubt that Fernandez will be a success as a player at United because he's, you know, he's set the world alight and he does not look like he's going to have a relapse like Di Maria did or um, or Sanchez did or some, or some of these other players who have come to United in the post-Ferguson era, had a very good first month and then 
their form's fallen off a cliff. But with Agarlo, he he has to be considered as a long-term addition because you see even someone like Fernando Llorente at Tottenham last season, even though he's never going to supplant Harry Kane up front, and he probably wasn't an ideal striker um, to come in and start whenever Kane was injured or unavailable for whatever reason, he still had merits. And of course, it was his goal that sent them through, fortuitous though it was, um, to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Yeah, I guess maybe. Do you think the... I mean, yeah, we spoke about Garland. The fact that he isn't maybe stereotypical of what, what we were saying United strike would be under Oligon Solskjaer, do you think that's going to affect the way United do finally operate in the summer transfer window, that they might start considering players that they hadn't considered before? Because, yes, I know when they signed Agarlo, they made it clear that this was maybe sort of a one-off in terms of skewing their long-term transfer policy at the club. But if it works as well as it's done, could you see United sort of loosening the sort of criteria they've put upon themselves in terms of players they recruit? I think they thought that that out-of-the-box thinking has been going on for, well, probably since Dallow came in. Now, Dallow this season, it's, it's I mean, it's been a write-off for him. Um, he's too injury-prone. He needs to look at something something there because the amount of injuries he's picked up since he first came to the club. I know he had an injury uh, when he joined United, but his durability is is a problem and uh, he's probably been drained of confidence as well by how well Wan-Bissaka has done but there were merits to signing him and he did have some performances last season where he thought you know at 90 million he, this this looks a snip and of course it was his shot that Kimpembe handled in, in Paris as well so I mean he's, he, that's his legacy at United already secured even if you know he's, he's sold in the summer or he, he, he never really cracks it there um, but Dallo, Daniel James Igarlo those are three Examples of United thinking outside the box. Um, I suppose Lee Grant was some out of the box thinking as well, but you know that I, I suppose he could just be tagged on as an honourable mention more than anything. So it does show that if you do in depth scouting and you unearth, I mean, it's probably too premature to call call any of them gems at this stage. But I think James is certainly James certainly showed in the first four months that. You know, he he was a gem. I think there was there was a bit of a Hernandez about him, and that he was an unknown signing, pretty much. Um, certainly to to people who are in this United bubble of just covering United and don't have much time to watch Swansea City games. Well, even even as a Welshman, I I really didn't know who he was. But well, there we are then. Exactly, exactly. So it, it doesn't reflect too too badly on me. Then thankfully, well, um, but. That, that kind of scouting United have not really excelled at and certain clubs have had periods of it. Newcastle had it under Graham Carr, uh, father of Alan Carr, when they've unearthed Johan Kubai and Cech Tiote, uh one summer and then in the winter they went for Papi Cisse and I think they ended up finishing, this was, was what season was it, 2011-12. Yeah. I think they finished... Was it, fifth six or, it was fifth six, or sixth, I yeah. and I think, and they finished. They finished above Chelsea, um, mm, yeah. who of course won the Champions League that season. So when you know, and, and okay, that that season was one off, and Newcastle weren't able to sustain that that form under Alan Pardew for the forthcoming seasons. But players like you know, I mean, Kabay went off to Paris Saint Germain, so he was very much a, a success story. Um, Tiotti. You know, I thought was a really good player for Newcastle when when he was there at the time. Um, I mean, sadly he's, he passed away some time ago now, so it's 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 a really it's it's, it's a difficult one to talk about. But sometimes it goes in cycles these things with clubs, and that they do have a really really strong hit rate in the transfer market, and that can be down to going for 
targets who you would not necessarily say are the obvious ones to go for. With a club like United, there are going to be certain players that you obviously have got to be in for because you're at the the top end um, of the transfer market. And by that virtue alone, you are going to have to be in for certain players who are clearly going to improve you, which is why, like last year, United are looking at Jadon Sancho again. And another player that United are looking at, uh, Samuel, Jude Bellingham. I'm not sure we've talked about him too specifically on the podcast, but he was uh, shown around no, Camerton last week. Um, still seems like maybe Borussia Dortmund and, and United and Chelsea and Bayern Munich are the, are the teams in for him. But I mean, I've wrote a piece on it today. Please, uh, I have plugged this. If anyone wants to check it out, please do. But um, do you not find it strange that like, how good must Bellingham be if United seriously want him when they've already got players like James Garner and Don Levitt at the club? Because to me, I'm uh, Jude Bellingham is obviously a, a superb talent. He's only yeah. 16 years old. He's playing in the Championship. But is he really doing much better than James Garner would be doing if he was in the Championship? I'm not so sure. Just to me, it seems a bit odd that United's have such a famed academy but they'd buy Drew Bellingham for a fee which would insinuate he'd be an immediate first team player no I did, I did read your piece and it is a it is a legitimate point particularly given that makes one uh, reader yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's in the tens of thousands not hundreds <laughs> of thousands I'm sure um, but it is a legitimate point given that these two players have, have signed contracts over the last year with United they've been kind of promised a pathway to the first team squad at the very least I can see Garner going on loan next season maybe Levitt as well uh, I think Levitt but for illness in January um, as I think you know you told me back in uh, back a couple of months ago he probably would have gone on loan um, in the new year especially since well obviously the Euros have been postponed by a year now but at the time he was was in the need of game time to ensure that he got a, a squad berth because he, he'd been called up by Ryan Giggs last year. So that need for playing time for those players is is becoming more, more and more immediate. But when I spoke to Nicky Butt about it, he said they need to be around the United first team environment a lot more before they went out on loan, which I can understand. But of course, when United are chasing a player who's being coveted by an awful lot of clubs across Europe and Ed Woodward and Matt Judge are meeting um, the player and his parents at Carrington, it, it, it is likely to be, you know, it could be disheartening for players like Levitt and Garner who have been talked up quite a lot um, and understandably so because they've they outgrew reserve football very, very quickly and they've been you know two, two of the main reasons why the under-23s have had such a enjoy such a good season and have played such um enjoyable football as well uh it's been you know really good football to watch for those who you know decide to take in under 23 games on a monday night or a friday night um so i i fully understand it but i suppose from united's perspective you know, if they've watched bellingham up close enough and the scouting reports have been um as, as glowing as as they can be they might feel as though well we can't you know we can't afford to miss out on this player um yeah, you've seen players like Frankie De Jong and Matthias De Litt and Deo Mancano um, slip the net for United. I mean, Derek Langley, the you know, was obviously used to be employed by the club and went out and watched some of these players. Uh, you know, was was absolutely you know seething that United passed on these players when he felt as though he'd unearthed them at the time certainly from these shores anyway uh so there's there's always that at the back of their minds that if you know if this player goes on and is an absolute 
rip-roaring success elsewhere is going to reflect quite reflect quite badly on them um but sometimes there's there's a way of accommodating these things and um you, you look at even though Matic is likely to get a new contract you wouldn't imagine that would be i mean that could be a a one a one plus one if you like which is what they like to offer to 30 something squad players but as Maron Flaney in one matter have shown if you do sweat it out with United they will budge and they will give you a guaranteed minimum two-year deal with the plus one on top of it so there that that is there is a resolution um somewhere along the line for them and of course we don't know what's going to happen with Pogba Andres Pereira um is another player who you know has fallen down the packing order now that everyone's fit and available so uh, there, there might be some room for all of them but certainly next season I, I would say that Levitt and, and Garner probably both need to go out on loan I guess you said that as well the thing about Bellingham is that in general since Solskjaer's come in United's hit rate with transfers has been so superb really that the fact that they're, they're making moves to, to bring someone like him to the club shows how how highly he's regarded but as well well, I guess for fans it must be encouraging to see like you said that United are learning from their past mistakes and they're actively looking to to get the best young talent as soon as possible yeah um, when when I spoke to uh, when people at United spoke to us back in October um, they said their aim was to get a 70% hit rate uh, in the transfer market so for every 10 players you buy seven of them turn out to actually be good for you now of course it's not as black and white as have they been a a hit or a miss or what have you but more or less you can you know say this player's been good that player's not been good the irony is that they um they outed daily blind as a player who wasn't necessarily united material yet i'd have said that you know i'd argue that daily blind certainly post ferguson you're probably looking at he's probably on the top five signings United have made in terms of what he brought to the team and how good a player he's, he was. And certain certain times when he was um, playing in certain positions, he, he did play very well and he, he did win trophies with them. Um, so that that's what they're aiming for anyway. It's, it's kind of like a, a 70% hit rate. Going off Solskjaer's five signings, if you're to include Agarlo so far, if you had to judge them right now, you would say all of them have been hits to, to various degrees, but all of them have been successes in, in different ways. Uh, so that's five out of five, and that's pretty good going. I know um, one of our former colleagues, uh, James Robson, uh, came up with a great idea that United have already got a director of football and that director of football is is Solskjaer and there, there might be something in that one day but I still can't envisage the day where Solskjaer happily moves upstairs and he's overseeing I don't know uh, Julian Nagel, Nagelsmann <laughs> losing nice his class. first few games it, 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 you know and, and then suddenly it's the it's the shadow of Solskjaer it's not the shadow of, of Fergie <laughs> anymore it's the shadow of this man who won his first eight games as, as United manager uh, I do so, like the idea of Julian Nagelsmann called Calling Solskjaer the gaffer, though that's a yes, that yeah, all the time. yeah. Uh, we, we can only imagine, and then we'll have to refer to him by his uh, Norwegian knighthood title or, or whatever that <laughs> might be. But yeah, um, interesting points there. I think for today, that is probably all we've got time for on the uh, special of the Manchester Red podcast. What? does the rest of the week have entail for you Samuel uh, oh, well fortunately I've not shown any symptoms which which is a relief uh, given mm. that I passed through 
two countries yesterday and if you've ever been if anyone's ever been to frankfurt airport it's 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 humongous and um i think when we were coming back from austria there were a lot more people wearing masks than when we were going out to austria but it will be a case of just just more working from home fortunately uh i'm off on saturday and i'm off all of next week which is is very very well timed it of course was going to be international week next week anyway so um but fortunately i am getting out and about trying to keep as active as possible and as safely as possible as well uh without going um too stir crazy with a with with all this cabin fever well i feel like i owe you a favor by watching that muppets film you referenced at the start because i'm not gonna lie i've not seen it uh, yeah, treasure well, island is it Muppet Treasure Island, yeah, it, it is from your generation. You'd you'd have been goodness, I don't even want to speculate onto your age as to your age at that time when it came <laughs> out. But given that everyone's got time to uh, watch as many films and you know read as many books as possible, I, I can recommend it. It is a a gain for the online streaming services, isn't it? At the moment, uh, have you been? I mean, without football, have you been tempted to watch any classic games back yet? Any? How, how desperate been, it got? No, I've I've not become that desperate. Uh, I finished off the the Leeds United documentary on a streaming service uh, that we probably can't name for sponsorship purposes. Mm. Um, the, I mean, the good thing is that Sunderland Till I Die is out on April Fool's Day, so I think that's um, well timed. That is impeccably timed. But yeah. It's, if, if yeah, I mean, it's it's manner of heaven for streaming services. It's not manner of heaven for just about everyone else, unfortunately. Well, I guess the worst comes to worst that you can always uh, start a career mode on FIFA or something and uh, maybe bring United back to the Champions League before Solskjaer does it himself. But uh, we'll have to wait and see how the uh, rest of the season will pan out in terms of that. And of course, like we said, we know football's trivial at the moment, but it's good to have that consistency back. And like I said, we'll be doing these podcasts as often as possible, really still trying to do maybe one or two a week. So if you've got any questions for Samuel and I, feel free to tweet us at our respective handles at Samuel Luckhurst or at Rich Fay on Twitter. Uh, tweet at um, Man United MEN. And we've also got our Manchester is Red podcast Facebook group. So if you've got any questions, I think we'll try and look and do a maybe a question and answer special next week. I'm thinking I might even make you do your season review so far, Samuel. I mean, you've got your player ratings on the site now. So if people want to see how you've rated the United first team squad, We've also got that. And like I said, on the Manchester News website, we'll bring you all the top United stories and just football in general in the next coming days. But Samuel, stay safe, enjoy your time off, and we will see you again next time on the Manchester Red Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll see you again next time.